Good morning and a very warm welcome to our phone service and podcast for today, Sunday the 20th of August. And the recording comes live from Drung last week, where we were looking at Luke chapter 8, verse 26 to 39, asking the question, why doesn't God stop evil? And looking at a time when he did and what that shows us for the future. So I'll hand you over to that service now. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to Drung Church this morning for our service of morning prayer. Special welcome to Dahi. It's great to have Dahi back with us. He's going to be playing the, the Ole song and uh, doing the reading for us this morning. It's great to welcome you back. Um, and we're returning to Luke's Gospel today. And we're just after Jesus has calmed the storm by simply speaking. And we're going to see how he delivers a man from evil. And he goes and tells the man to go home and tell all that God has done for him. And we're going to sing about that in this first hymn, To God Be the Glory, Great Things He's Done. He's done great things for us. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. Let's uh, remain standing and sing together, To God Be the Glory.
things he hath done. Well, do please be seated. And if you've got a church Bible, you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 8, or in the service sheet there in front, Dahi's going to come and read this for us. Um, and children, I'd like you to listen up how many times you hear the word beg or begged. So how many times you hear the word beg or begged? And I'll hand over to Dahi. Thank you. Um, our, our reading is from Luke's Gospel uh, in chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus. And found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned the man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Dahi, for reading for us. How many times did you hear the word beg or begged? Yep. Four times we heard the word beg or begged. Uh, and at the end of the reading, Jesus told the man to go home and to, to declare how much God has done for you. Declare how much God has done for you. I wonder what you'd say if you were told to go home and declare how much God has done for you. And what would you say? Just think for a moment of God's kindness to you. What has he done for you? Clothed you? given you food to eat, air to breathe, water to drink, family, friends. And as we sung in our opening hymn, he's given his own son for us. So loved he the world that he gave us his son so that we can be forgiven. 
And so we're going to come to that God who's a forgiving God, acknowledging our sin, admitting that we sin, uh, but coming to him to say sorry, knowing that if we truly repent, he will forgive us. Great things he has done. Let's uh, join together in the confession on page one of the service card. Together we pray. Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, by what we've done and by what we've failed to do. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. As Jesus drove out the demons uh, from the man, it was a, a foreshadowing of what Jesus had come to do as he went to the cross to die for us, to overcome evil, to overcome our sin. And so I can pray with confidence. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy on us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and keep us in eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, if you're able, please do stand to join in the responses at the bottom of page two. O Lord, open our lips. O God, make speed to save us. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're going to praise his name in our all-age song. Be strong and courageous. Because of Jesus' victory, we don't need to fear the enemy, the darkness. So let's uh, stand and sing together. Be strong and courageous. Daddy, thank you.
the poverty. Do not fear eternity. Jesus has conquered them all. Be strong and courageous. The Lord of the ages holds all his little ones safe by his Thank you, Dahi, but uh, don't go away once you've got the guitar down. Um, we're, please do be seated. We'll just ask Dahi a few questions. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, so, uh, Dahi, it's good to have you back. Can you just tell us what you've been up to the last year? Yeah, so I've been still studying in London at a, at a Bible college out there and um, training for ministry, reading the Bible, learning theology, all, all those sort of things, training for, training for ministry. Yeah. Brilliant. Has there been any particular highlight of the year? <laughs> Yeah, I'd say um, one highlight for me this year was that um, I got to go to Uganda. So um, my, my, my Bible college in London uh, has a partnership with a Bible college out in Uganda. Uh, and as part of that, they send a team uh, of students from London out every year just to uh, get to know people in Uganda there. And um, so, yeah, I got to uh, go out to Uganda for about a week uh, and get to know um, people who are doing the same thing as me, but in a very different context and a very very challenging circumstances, lots of them, but um, I was really encouraged to see um, them worshiping the same Lord and, and sharing the same gospel and the Lord at work out there. It was great mm. to see. Yeah. Brilliant. And I enjoyed the coffee you sent me, so thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, it, was it was great. Good coffee there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, any, any challenges that um, you've, you've faced this year? Yeah, I think um, my time in, in London has been, it's been difficult. It's difficult to be away from home. It's difficult to be in London, this huge, huge city, um, very different from, from Calvin and, and home and places in Ireland. So, um, yeah, the hustle and bustle of London and, and the, the coursework and the, the training is, is difficult work. It's good work, but it's difficult. Um, so, yeah, there's been some challenges I've been working on. Yeah. Is there anything we can pray for you in particular? Yeah, do, do pray. Um, so it, it might be that I'm uh, coming back to Ireland after this uh, academic, academic year. So I've got one more year studying in London. So uh, do pray uh, for, for me as I make different decisions about what will happen in the future and yeah, pray for the Lord's wisdom in that. And uh, yeah, appreciate prayer. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, we'll pray for you in a moment. But yeah. thank you. Thank you very much, Dahi. It's great to have you back. Well, let's uh, turn to prayer and we're going to begin with the Lord's Prayer. Um, which you can find on the service card in its traditional form. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue in prayer. Sovereign Lord, this week has seen some awful destruction from wildfires. And we pray especially for the island of Maui and ask that you comfort all those who've lost loved ones and homes. We also pray for comfort for those who lost loved ones in the little boat that sank on the British Channel yesterday and also in the ship that sank off Myanmar 
We pray you'd bring the smugglers uh, to justice. We continue to pray for Ukraine and ask for your comfort for those who lost loved ones this week. And we pray for peace. We pray also for those who are fearful or anxious following the PSNI data breach and ask that you'll keep them safe. We pray that whatever has been troubling people this week, that this Lord's Day they may turn to you and find the peace that only you can give. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Dahi and that he's been able to join us here today. Thank you for the two years he spent serving these parishes and for the two years he's been able to spend at Bible College so far. We do pray you would guide him for the future and make the paths straight for him. Please provide for all his needs and may he grow in his knowledge and love for you and be equipped to serve you with his life. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for Dervla and Timmy with their wedding coming up. Our loving Heavenly Father, giver of all good things, we ask your blessing on Dervla and Timmy, whose lives are shortly to be joined in marriage. May they dwell together in love and peace all the days of their lives, thinking of each other's interests before their own, bearing one another's burdens, and sharing one another's joys. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for those who are unwell at the moment or in need of prayer. We pray today for Leon Briardy, for Olive Simmons, for Lucy Roberts, for Marion Gray, and in a moment of quiet, any others known personally to us in need of our prayers at this time. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd relieve these people. Please look upon them with the eyes of your mercy. Please give them comfort and sure confidence in you. Defend them from the danger of the enemy. Keep them in perpetual peace and safety. And whatever you ordain for them, give them grace to be so conformed to your will that they may be ready to dwell with you in life everlasting. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And we pray for those who are grieving Continuing to remember the family and friends of Harry Jordan, of Robert Roundtree, of Kia McCann and Dilava Mohammed, and of Moira Weenie, and of Maria Turnin. And also we remember this week the family and friends of the Melanda family. Amita's nephew and the family died in a tragic accident. We pray for your comfort and peace for all these families. And in a moment of quiet, any others who we know are grieving at the moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and to rise again. We thank you that his cross declares your love to be without limit and that his resurrection declares that death, our last enemy, is overthrown. By his victory, we are assured of the promise that you'll never leave nor forsake your people. Please comfort those who are grieving at this time and enable them to find in you their refuge and strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And the collect the special prayer for this Sunday. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that we may obtain our petitions. Make us to ask such things as shall please you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. 
We close our prayers by joining together in the second collect for morning prayer on page five of the service card. Together we pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, we give you thanks for bringing us safely to this day. Keep us from falling into sin or running into danger, and in all things guide us to know and do your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you'd like to take a prayer book and turn to page 703, we're going to read uh, Psalm 96 together. And this is a psalm just as the, the man who had the demons driven out was encouraged or commanded to go home and tell how much God had done for him. This psalm encourages us, commands us to tell of God's salvation and to declare his glory among the nations. So uh, in a moment we'll stand. The response to the psalm is printed on the service sheet and I'll read up to the red square if you could read the next line afterwards. So Psalm 96 on page 703. Let's stand and join in this uh, together. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord and bless his name. Declare his glory among the nations. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. For all the gods of the nations are but idols. Honor and majesty are before him. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due to his name. O oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tell it out among the nations that the Lord is King. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the fields be joyful and all that is in them. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. With righteousness he will judge the world and the peoples with his truth. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and, and to the Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forever. Amen. Well, as we remain standing, we're going to affirm our faith now in the words of the Creed, uh, which you can see on page three of the service card. Together we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead and was buried. He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please uh, do be seated. And if you've got that passage from Luke open in front of you, that'll be a big help. Luke chapter 8 and uh, verse 26 onwards. And let's pray for God's help as we look at his word. Heavenly Father, thank you. You've spoken to us. Thank you for all that the Lord Jesus Christ 
has done for us, the great things he's done. And pray this morning we'd see something more of the great things he's done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, yesterday six uh, died as their boat sank or capsized crossing the English Channel. Uh, people fleeing for, for, for safety, hoping for a better future, but greedy people sort of cramming them in on boats that weren't suitable, uh, and uh, they lost their lives. 23 died also this week, and 30 are still missing after a boat sank off the coast of Myanmar. Again, uh, this time Rohingyas fleeing for their lives, hoping for a better future. Taken advantage of by greedy people, smugglers who, when a wave came, just abandoned them. On the 24th of June this year, closer to home, Robin Wilkin died on the Sleeve League cliffs, or off the Sleeve League cliffs, and there's a murder investigation. Now, last night there were attacks in Dublin. There's an ongoing war in Ukraine. Why is there so much evil in the world? This week as well, as well we've seen the PSNI data leak, which have, uh, in itself might have been a, an accident, but the fact that people's lives are in danger or people feel threatened shows that evil is still out there. Do you ever wonder, why doesn't God do something? Closer to home, have you ever lost your uh, temper and when you calmed down afterwards said something like, I don't know what possessed me? Well, in Luke chapter 8, Jesus meets a man who is severely possessed. He's dangerous, he's out of control, a danger to himself and to others, and yet Jesus changes this man. Why don't we see that today, maybe you wonder? Why don't we see the battle a bit more evidently today? Well, it's a bit like we've seen before in, in the Gospel, when we've seen the healings that Jesus did, and the raising of the dead, and the calming of the storm, they were all snapshots of how good it is when the King is with his people, when King Jesus is with his people. It's a foretaste of how good it will be when King Jesus is with his people once again. There'll be no more sickness, no more death, no more storms. For three years, as Jesus walked this earth in his public ministry, he was around before that, but in his public ministry, God showed us what he's like through the Lord Jesus Christ. He showed us his plan and his purposes for his kingdom, that it will be a place of no evil, no sickness, no death. And at the same time as Jesus was doing that, Satan was violently opposing him. It was more visible, unsurprisingly so, as God's showing, him, showing the world what he's like, Satan opposes him. And maybe because Jesus is God in flesh, God incarnate, Satan was doing sort of false versions of that. Uh, he didn't become a man himself, but he possessed men and sought to oppose Jesus Christ. Today the battle may be less seen, less visible, but it still rages, not only in the moral evils I mentioned at the beginning, but also in the rejection of Jesus Christ as Lord, or, or simply not being bothered about Jesus. Satan is very happy with that, just people not being bothered about Jesus. Satan is still at work today, but so is God, delivering people from evil, bringing them into the wonderful kingdom that Jesus Christ gave a glimpse of. So let's see in this chapter, in Luke chapter 8, uh, what we can learn about the deliverance that Jesus brings and how that helps us with that very difficult question of why doesn't God stop the evil in the world. We're going to look at it under three headings, the problem, 
the solution and the mixed results. So the problem first, this is just after the storm that was there in Luke chapter 8. Remember that storm that blew up on the, on the Lake Galilee? That leaving the fishermen, experienced fishermen, fearful for their lives. They wake Jesus. Jesus speaks to the storm and the wind and the waves obey him. And they would because he made them. They obey him. The storm is calmed. They land on the shore and they meet another storm. This time in the form of a man rather than a, a wind storm. And as they meet this man, he's, well, he's like the wildfires that have raged across Maui this week and Portugal. Uncontrollable, despite man's best efforts. He's uncontrollable. He's a man possessed. Luke, who wrote this gospel, is a doctor who carefully investigated everything. And he writes down for us the symptoms of this man's possession. The first symptom he tells us of is in verse 27, that he wore no clothes. He wore no clothes. Ever since uh, mankind rebelled against God, back in the very beginning, we have needed to be clothed. Remember Adam and Eve searching frantically for fig leaves to cover themselves? And then God graciously clothed them, gave them animal skins to wear. We've needed clothes to cover our shame. And Satan has robbed this man of his dignity, so he has no clothes. He's running around like a wild man in the graveyard. No clothes. Uh, not only that, he has no house. We're told in that same verse, he has no house. He had not lived in a house but among the tombs. Here is a man who is too wild to live with anyone else. And maybe this is an example of how Satan still loves to ruin relationships today. That instead of living with others, this man, he's living in the graveyard, running around wild. He cannot live with others. He's in a place of decay and death rather than a hospitable place. These demons have ruined his life to the point that he cannot think straight. He cannot think straight, and so he's hostile to Jesus. So do you see in verse 28, he cries out in a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus? I don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. He's hostile to Jesus. It's the demons inside him. They've ruined his mind so that he thinks Jesus will torment him. But Jesus has come to restore him. Jesus came to do good, to heal people, to raise the sick, to, to raise the dead. He came to deliver people. But this man thinks that Jesus will torment him. He's not thinking straight. It's so sad, isn't it? When people think Jesus is out to harm them, to spoil things for them. Our hostility to Jesus Christ never makes sense, does it? Because Jesus is always working for the good of his people. He's always working for the good of those who love him. So to be hostile to him, it just does not make sense. But just as we sometimes doubt, well, this man... He wants nothing to do with Jesus. He doesn't want Jesus to rule over him. He is the last symptom. We're told he's uncontrollable. There in verse 29, we're told they tried to guard him, but like those wildfires, kept breaking out. They tried to guard him, bound him with chains and shackles, but he'd break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the desert. They locked him up, but he broke free. He's in a desperate state, isn't he? He's alone. He has no hope. He has nothing to live for. Can you think of anyone in a worse position than this? In a more hopeless state than this? Perhaps people back then were wondering, why doesn't God do something? 
Well, there's the solution. Jesus Christ walks onto the scene. Everyone else had avoided him. You can imagine the mums and the dads on the school run. They would not go anywhere near this man. They were too frightened. But the demons fear Jesus. Jesus has nothing to fear. At first, as our hero Jesus walks onto the scene, it doesn't look too hopeful, does it? Because it seems at first, in verse 29, that he commanded the unclean spirit to come out. And it doesn't come out straight away, does it? There's a conversation to be had. But look at the language, even as the conversation is going on. Who is in control? Uh, Well, we're told in verse 28, the man says, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. Who's in control? Well, it's Jesus, isn't it? This man and the demons are having to beg Jesus not to torment them. And notice that Jesus treats the man with dignity, with respect. He treats the man as a person. He says to him, what is your name? While Satan had robbed the man of his dignity and left him wild in the graveyard, Jesus speaks to him as a person with dignity. What is your name? The demons may have ruined, but Jesus restores. He gives value. And the man's name, well, the demons have given him an identity, haven't they? He's called Legion. A legion was a Roman army unit of up to 6,000 soldiers. So that gives you an idea of how many demons had possessed this man. We're told in one of the other Gospels, in Mark's Gospel, it was about 2,000 pigs that died. So we're talking around that number of demons in this man. But who's in control? The demons have to beg Jesus not to destroy them. Jesus is in control over evil. The demons need uh, permission to go into the pigs. And Jesus lets them. And you might think, why, why is that? That's a strange thing, isn't it? Why does Jesus let them into the pigs? Well, perhaps it's because the time for their final destruction is not yet. That is in the future. As we've just affirmed in the creed, as we say each week, that Jesus will come again to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, he will destroy evil forever, for good. We saw it in the book of Revelation. Evil is allowed, Satan is bound, but he's allowed uh, to still cause damage until that day when Jesus will destroy him. But look at the deliverance Jesus brings, which is a snapshot of the kingdom, of how good it will be when Jesus returns. This wild, naked man is now clothed. He's clothed and he's sitting. He he used to not be able to sit still. He's running around everywhere, but now he's sitting. And where's he sitting? He's sitting at Jesus' feet, which is the model disciple learning from Jesus. Remember Mary and Martha and Martha frantically running around, but Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus is the best place to be, to be sat at the feet of Jesus, learning from him, listening to his word, being a disciple. He's been so changed that he's described as being in his right mind. He was not in his right mind before. He was hostile to Jesus. Now he's in his right mind, restored by Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Why doesn't God do something about evil? Well, here's a time when he did. And it is just a foretaste of the work that Jesus had come to do at the cross. That at the cross he came to destroy the power of the devil over all who would turn to him. It's a bit like that hymn puts it. 
When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Isn't that just incredible? That he should set us free, that he should do that for us? that he was prepared to take that price for us so that when Satan comes and declares your guilt, the guilt you know you have and I know I have, and he declares you guilty that you can say, yes, but Jesus Christ took it for me. He paid in full for my sin so that I could be forgiven. And that is just a little snapshot of when Jesus Christ returns and evil is banished forever. We don't have to live with the pressure of sin and sickness and death. Well, surely everyone would be overjoyed at that deliverance. Isn't it amazing? How amazing to be delivered like that, to be set free like that. How amazing you'd think they'd be overjoyed. The graveyard is safe once again. But you see the surprise? Well, verse 35 tells us. How did they respond? It's a bit of a surprise, isn't it? They were afraid. They were afraid. And more than that, they ask Jesus to leave. They don't want anything more to do with Jesus. Verse 37, they asked him to depart. And so we see lastly this morning that deliverance brings mixed results. We've seen before that fear is a good reaction when accompanied by praise. So uh, when Jesus healed the widow's son back in chapter 7, when he raised him from the dead, th th there was fear and praise, wonder, they marveled at what Jesus had done. When Jesus calmed the storm, there was fear, and they marveled at what he had done. But here, it's a fear of Jesus that leads them to say, no, we don't want anything more to do with you. We don't want you, Jesus. And it's a shocking response, isn't it? Isn't it mad that they should reject Jesus after, the, after this wonderful deliverance that he brought? Is it not mad? That they're not in their right mind, we might say. This man was not in his right mind, but now they're not in their right mind because they're rejecting Jesus. It is madness, is it not? Why do they reject him? Why do they ask Jesus to leave after this incredible deliverance? Well, maybe it's because it's too costly to have him around. They have just lost perhaps about 2,000 pigs. Maybe they value their livestock more than the deliverance of this man. They think if Jesus hangs around much longer, what else will happen? They're fearful, perhaps, of what other changes Jesus Christ might bring. Oh, he's good, but he wants us to live under his rule. And maybe they don't want that. They don't want him rocking the boat. They don't want him interrupting the status quo. And so they ask him to leave. It's so sad, isn't it? that they actually preferred living with evil than having evil purged from them. They preferred their attempts at trying to lock this man up with a few chains than having evil purged from them. Isn't that so sad that they'd rather live with evil than with Jesus? It's so sad when people prefer living with, with evil than living with Jesus. 
And so Jesus leaves. If people reject him, he will leave. But thankfully, that's not the only result. You see, the delivered man becomes a deliverer, not of um, evil spirits, but he becomes a deliverer of the message. He becomes a mailman, a postman. He becomes a deliverer of the gospel message. Do you see in verse 39, Jesus says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. He obeys, but with one minor difference. I wonder if you noticed it. Well, it's not really a difference, but Jesus told him to declare how much God had done. And what did he do? He declared how much Jesus had done. This man has come to recognize that Jesus Christ is God. Of course he has. He's driven out the demons from him. He's been delivered. And so he goes and he proclaims how much God has done. The people could hardly believe it. Is this the same man that used to run around naked in the graveyard? Look at him. Look at the deliverance that Jesus, look at the difference Jesus has made. He's been delivered from Satan, from isolation, from hostility to being a disciple of Jesus delighted to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to his word and obey. And then to pass the message on. Well, is that true of you? Have you been delivered from the power of Satan, from sin? Do you love to sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him, delight in all that he says to you? And are you someone who passes that message on to others? It's unlikely that any of us have been possessed or are possessed. But you have been, surely, and maybe you still are hostile to Jesus Christ. And it's worth pausing this morning to ask the question, why would you be hostile to Jesus? The one who loves you so much that he died for you. It makes no sense to be hostile to Jesus Christ. It's worth asking the question, isn't it? But maybe you know you have come to Jesus Christ. He has delivered you and you do love to learn from him, well, maybe his challenge to us this morning is to return to your home and to declare how much God has done for you, to say how wonderful God is to others. Let's have a moment of quiet to either ponder why we're hostile to Jesus or to think about telling others how much God has done for us. Let's have a moment of quiet and then I'll lead us in prayer. how much God has done for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us, for your great love for us in giving us food, clothing, families. Thank you for your kindness to us in your love in going to the cross to save us. We pray that we will be those who delight to sit at your feet, to learn from you, and that we might be those who have the courage to tell others how much you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this final hymn is one that encourages us that we have good news. We have a gospel to proclaim, to tell how much God has done for us. And the fourth verse tells us of that victory. He broke the power of death and hell that we might share his victory. And let's stand and sing this hymn number 491. We have a gospel to proclaim.
just update you with the announcements and uh, that's really to say that this week's holiday club uh, please do be praying for holiday club in burrows hall uh, this week uh, so there'll be no bible study and our services next sunday will be a united service in lara um, for the for the holiday club a special service for that our next in touch will be on thursday the 31st of august from 3 30 till 5 p.m uh, let's close with the words of the grace the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Bye-bye.